Hello, and welcome to Knoll Country for Old Men. We're a podcast about board games, tabletop games, and tabletop war games. I'm your host, Troy, and I'm talking very fast for no apparent reason. With me today, as always, is my co-host, Ed. Oh, my name's Ed, as you said. Uh, my pronouns are they and them. And today's my episode. Uh, we're going to talk about my favorite uh, topic, the number 69. Nice. Nice. That's right. Today is episode 69, and so we're talking about the most, uh, everybody's favorite demonic entity. No, not that one. The other one. Not the Balrog. The, uh, the other side. The, the one that matches the number 69. Um, it's succubus time. I'm confused. I thought we were talking about the number 69. I have two single space pages of fun facts about the number 69. It's a lucky oh. number in number theory. It's strobogrammatic, oh. so it looks the same whether it's upside down. Uh, it's an I mean, odious... that's kind of the point, right? Yeah, it's an odious number in programming because it has an odd number of ones in binary. It's the atomic number of thallium. So many cool things you could do with the number 69. Nice. Is it a prime number? Uh, Maybe. I don't know. I didn't see that one, but it probably is. Who knows? It... Wait, no, it, it it's divisible by three. So, obviously not prime. You can do that one in your head. Um, so, yeah. But, of course, before we get to that topic, we have a segment on the podcast called The Week in Hobby, where we talk about what we've done the last week in hobby. I'll go first. I've had a fairly eventful week. Huzzah! Uh, both of my Eberron games had sessions. Um, for the Wednesday group, they are delving deeper into the Mornlands, re heading towards a showdown of sorts with the Lord of Blades. Uh, to begin with, they've already met some cultists related to that. Uh, in this time, they found an outpost that the some of the um, Warforged working for the Lord of Blades were manning that was under attack by... Let's call them fire giants who are made of lava. So, lava giants? I, I, I was referring to them as, like, elemental lava giants. Uh, they had a vomit lava breath attack kind of thing going on. Mm, um, don't, don't want any of that on me. Flaming or not. Yeah, it did fire damage plus bludgeoning damage plus turned a chunk of ground into difficult terrain as you had to trudge through magma essentially very unpleasant yes very much so but you know uh, how you you know how you fight those how you gotta have the high ground i mean the players <laughs> did have the high ground the giants threw f globs of lava at them and burned shit down um it turned out they were attacking because the warforged were operating some sort of power relay thing that was literally, like, drawing magical power out of the magma. And this was either attracting or agitating the lava giants. Uh, the party then found some treasure that was in the area that they had had a map to it. Um, and that was what brought them to this location. And then prepared to head on their way towards the... Uh, the location where the Lord of Blades is making his base. We'll see where they get to in the next couple of sessions. My yeah, my Thursday group managed to delve deeper into the dungeon they were involved in. Uh, they found a puzzle that consisted of five portraits of various people and things, and three tables, each of which had a potion on it. Upon closer examination, they found that there were letters on the painting, and so they realized they could rearrange the paintings to spell a word. Um, they did so, and then the potions exploded and did damage to each of the people holding them. Ow. This is why you shouldn't do chemistry. At this point, they've realized that they hadn't actually checked the door leading out of the room. Which was, wasn't magically sealed or anything, it was just locked. Mm. And nice. not particularly well at that. Like they, the they immediately just picked the lock and left, um, <laughs> having stumbled into my 
important uh, needing to buy a little bit of time for the dungeon puzzle room. <laughs> I, I, I just knew that the session would be too short if I didn't throw something of interest into that room. Definitely not improving. Definitely not improving. I mean, I was doing... I was doing the uh, Wallace and Gromit, like, throwing the rails down just in front of the train kind of thing. Ah, so, uh, improving railroading. Well, it's the <laughs> thing where you build what's about to happen just before it happens. I put the tables and the potions into that room while they were in the previous room, which had a large pit in the floor that had, well, it was basically a like 20 by 20 pit in the floor full of gelatinous cube. Ah, uh, if it was me, I'd just be like, you know what? I'm going to be honest. I'm not prepared. Uh, that's, that's a short, it's a short day. Well, I mean, I had some other stuff planned. I wanted them to reach a certain point and it was going to be a fight, but I needed to build a little bit of time before that fight. Um, because I wanted the, the session to end after the fight and because after the fight they were going to level up and then boss room is the next thing so i didn't want to have them level up and feel shortchanged about it got it but yeah they went into the fight there was a lot of things for them to fight um enemies that they did not like enemies that they really did not like um enemies that beat the crap out of them but then they they won they leveled up. They descended into the final room where they came across the Rakshasa and also a giant pool of blood. Not ominous at all. It's a very ominous map. I found some excellent maps for this. So it's super ominous and there's a giant broken crystal and now they have to fight a Rakshasa and his two shield guardian defenders and also then... Um, once they kill him, the, his death awakens the big boss and they have to fight the big boss. Which has cool. like a multi-stage boss fight where, af where it, once they hit the big boss to half health, he sucks them back into the crystal with him and then they have to fight him inside there to actually kill him. <laughs> You're trapped in here with me now, punks. Yeah, it and he'll... I'll do something to, like, change up how he acts inside of it. You know, drawing from video games, pulling elements from how, like, JRPGs and just RPG video games do multi-stage boss fights has been, I think, one of the most interesting things that I've done as a dungeon master to try and make these fights memorable. Are you going to be a dick and give him his full health back as soon as he goes in the crystal? No. I mean, he might get some health, but it's not like they see a flashing red bar above him and he gets it all back. <laughs> um, I might change up, like, how... I think I'll probably change what attacks he gets when he's inside the crystal. Mm-hmm. So they'll have gotten used to stuff outside of it, and then when he's inside of it, he'll have different legendary actions and stuff. Huzzah. Um, I also, because the weather was nice on Saturday, had a chance to prime my Skaven Blood Bowl team. Boo, Skaven. Yay, Skaven. And started painting them. Huzzah I also, Yes. Uh, I also had two matches with my online Skaven Blood Bowl team. They did not go well. Yeah, I heard this story. It sounded painful. Yeah, the first one, I uh, the first block of the first match was a death. He just killed one of my guys outright. Um, and then I just lost a lot of stuff. I tied that one, uh, which wasn't great. My team value dropped precipitously. Um, and then I had another game last night and, uh, yeah, I lost, um, again, same thing. I, I think one of my guys died, um, and another one like was saved by an apothecary and again, my team value keeps dropping. 
I feel like right. this is the point in the show where you just kind of make like an, a comical, overly dramatic shrug and you say, that's Blood Bowl. And then it freeze frames and the credits roll and the, the jaunty end, end theme plays over the show. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the upside is while my star player, super awesome level five Skaven got injured, it was just a uh, miss next game injury. Well, that's good at least. It always be worse. Yeah, which, so he'll be out for a round. Um, But he almost, almost tied the game for me against the stupid Dark Elves. Uh, It was like turn seven in the second half, and he just missed a dodge roll. Uh, Otherwise, he would have, and like, dashed through their blocks and into the end zone. Which is rough. There but for a dice roll. There but for a dice roll, yeah. Um, But that's been my weekend, Hobby. How about yours? Well, at least you had a a good, like, eight minutes of stuff to talk about because I didn't do a whole lot this week. But with school winding down, maybe that will change, which would be nice for a change because I'm tired of doing homework instead of hobby stuff. I did a little bit of painting uh, of some Dungeons and Dragons cats using my new fancy lass uh, Windsor and Newton Series Seven. The triple ot brush that I got is really, really nice. Um, I haven't used a triple ot brush in a long time because I was using like cheap hobby store type brushes, and they honestly don't last very long. They don't keep a very good point and. Uh, after a while, it's just kind of pointless to keep using it. So I stopped using triple lot brushes until I got this one. And man, it let me get some nice little details on those tiny little cat faces. Um, I can't say as much for the number one brush. That one, the bristles bloomed like a flower after about one one color. And I don't know if I'm just not used to using such a fancy implement and I did something wrong that caused the bristles the Brussels sprouts, (laughs) the bristles to go all weird. Um, Or if, you know, something else is going on. I I also have like a little like textured pad at the bottom of my brush cleaning cup. And I'm wondering if maybe that's actually not a good thing for the brushes. It's it's not something I had stopped to think about before. And maybe that's why the rest of my brushes got screwed up. So I'm waiting to see what happens with leaving the brush soap in there. Cause I, found some stuff where they said, you know, clean it with the brush sho- brush soap, but don't actually rinse it out. Just kind of leave it there to form the point. So we'll see what happens because uh, I want to like my fancy implements, but so far it's only been, you know, 50-50. One works, the other one not so much. And that's really all I did painting-wise. Did get my nails painted to look all fancy, which eh, eventually I'm going to do it in my uh, Blood Bowl team colors. So that'll be exciting for the summer team spirit. And then we played uh, a little bit of Spelljammer, at least until my internet crapped out. Uh, My ISP crashed like region wide. So we were able to go through a little bit of the clown fun house. Um, My character not having a good time. I nearly got trapped inside a treasure chest uh, because none of us can pick locks. I'm a weird like warrior philosopher you're good at looking at things and our other party member, they're good at is a bard making music. And I hilariously failed my role to like bash the chest open. So I used my jelly powers to like slither inside, but then I couldn't get out. So we had to like Jimmy the hinges off from the inside, (laughs) which is the longest and most hilarious way of opening up a chest. And there wasn't even anything like particularly special about it. It just had like an item that is probably used for plot purposes and some treasure in it. It wasn't even like a trick chest or anything. Yeah. I, for one, am really enjoying how we've decided to go through this dungeon in a totally bizarre manner. Yeah. And Um, then like the next room, I just stepped into the room and got burned. And then we had the, uh, to be fair, I did kind of walk up to that chest, which looked like it was 100% going to be a mimic and was like, I open, I attempt to open the chest because how would my character know about mimics? 
that's like, yep, it's it's chest. And then uh, I was able to avoid the traps in the Hall of Mirrors, though, because I technically don't have eyes and couldn't make eye contact with the thing that set off the trap. <laughs> that which was, was so, fun. That was so ridiculous. Yep. Um, and actually, and then, after your... And then my internet crashed. Out. Yeah, after that, we did go through, like, one or two more rooms. Um, the first one, we just sidestepped the entire... It had a series of levers, and you had to pull one relating to a picture and a dumb pun uh, in order to open a portcullis so that you could get another part of that key. Um, a portcullis doesn't do much to stop a plasmoid. No, not really. I assume I just saddled right through it. Yeah, we just had you walk through it and get the key for us. <laughs> um, we didn't pull a single lever. Uh, the last one was a bunch of, like, animal heads, and you had to stick a wooden sword into a thing under one of them in order to get the next something. Mm -hmm. Um, which, upon close examination, and based on our, um, previous experience with fake taxidermied animal heads, like the dragon one that breathed fire at you... We discovered eat, that they were trapped. Like, if you <laughs> did a thing, it would stab your hand that was holding the wooden sword. I could never have anticipated this. So we uh, tied the wooden sword to the end of your pike and poked it in that way. <laughs> nice. Causing it to stab the rope. <laughs> Good times. Um, yeah, we're, we're like, this is not that... Uh, we're just gonna blitz through these real fast and... Not be bothered by it. Our our party is weird, and I feel like this, the fact that it's Spelljammer makes it even all the better that it's weird. Yeah, it would be too weird to do, like, a normal campaign, but for Spelljammer, it's just right. Yep. So, yeah, that's and, about it for me this week when it comes to game stuff. Yeah, and that's been the weekend hobby. So, Woo! on to the main topic. Ed, take it away. Oh boy, uh, we're not talking about the number 69, but we are talking about sex, or at least as close to that topic as I could get for the number 69 uh, that didn't involve getting into a lot of really weird role-playing territory. So we're talking about the succubus, uh, pretty much a staple of any kind of like fantasy RPG video game, most TCGs, anything like that. So, just before we start, just a brief content warning. This one will cover a little bit of topics relating to sexual assault, sexism, and misogyny. So, if you want to give this one a skip, uh, just skip to, like, the last five minutes of the episode to find out what board game we recommend. I won't be offended. Go listen to another episode instead. Or wait it'll for also, a week. It'll also probably talk about, you know, bad game design and weird historical folklore. But, uh, yeah, that's normal for us. Yeah. So, where does the succubus come from? Um, my guess is that one day some Bronze Age teenager had an overly spicy dream and really couldn't think of a way to explain to his Bronze Age mom why the sheets needed to be washed again. Probably. That's my uh, scientific analysis. You say sheets, I say bed furs. Yes. Why do the bed furs need to be cleaned again? I don't know. Uh, something did something to me in know. my sleep. I don't know. We've never cleaned them before. <laughs> so, surprisingly, the concept in the word succubus is actually not as old as you would think, at least for the purposes that we're talking about. The word succubus shows up in English in the 14th century and comes from the Latin verb uh, succubare, which means to lie beneath, and in vernacular Roman Latin also uh, meant like lover or companion for obvious reasons. Um, so where this character shows up uh, initially is in uh, Jewish mystical traditions around the 13th century, but could probably make a, a good guess that similar creatures um, have appeared in probably just about every culture. Um, they do make appearances in uh, Buddhism uh, Egyptian and pre-Islamic Arabian mythology um, because people are horny at all times and all places. So 
probably wherever you go, you're going to find some kind of succubus like creature, uh, in their, in their backstories. Um, so the succubus that we're talking about comes from the story that Adam had a first wife before Eve. Her name was Lilith. Lilith dumped, dumped Adam and left the garden of Eden to go bang another angel. And after that became a succubus. And there were like three other women before that who had also gone and done it with this angel. They also became succubi and they become like demon Queens and like supposedly all demons, like come from them. Um, so not so great. Uh, basically they're like, yeah, uh, Lilith went and did a thing and everything bad that happened, you know, to cis straight men in the last 6,000 years, uh, it's Lilith's fault. So, hooray for misogyny. <laughs> you you might also consider that some of this, like, in uh, folklore, historical understanding may have been due to conflicts between the patriarchal uh, Judaic tribal systems versus other local... Um, city-states that were non-patriarchal and perhaps had women in charge. Yeah. And, like, this... The the story of Lilith and the angel comes from, you know, it comes from Kabbalah and from a, from a couple of specific writings from that. So, you know, depending on... Uh, depending on your, your strain of Judaism and all that, you know, your mileage may vary as far as, like, how much this story was accepted in various cultures at various times. Um, but after, after that, it kind of, it kind of wormed its way into a lot of other things. Uh, I'm sure there's probably a lot of other scholastic research as far as like, you know, how pervasive is this myth and you know, what damage does it do? But that's uh, outside of this topic for today. And I'll uh, get back to you after I go back to school to my, to double major in art and women's and gender studies. I don't have to pay back. I don't have to pay back the government, my student loans. If I just keep going to school. I heard that's the case. Um, but, but don't they cut you off at some point? They're like, I'm sorry, sir. You already owe have $3 billion in student loans. It's become a substantial source of national debt. I'd like to see Joe Biden try. <laughs> <laughs> no more malarkey for you. All, I'm gonna I'm gonna major in malarkey. Oh oh um. <laughs> I get I guess he'll have to support you in that major. Probably. I'm gonna double major in malarkey and um. Come Listen. on, man. Studies. <laughs> I I don't know. You could take a minor in uh. Listen here, Jack. I mean, that's my thesis topic. Ah, uh, makes sense. Uh, yeah. <laughs> if I was going back to school, I would double major in... I don't know. I don't want to go back to school. <laughs> it's, only, it's only half a joke, because honestly, if I could and or had the means to go back to school, that would actually be my double major. Hooray. <laughs> um, so back to the succubus. So that's where her story shows up in uh, uh, 13th century Jewish folklore. And in most most depictions around that time would show the succubus as a beautiful woman who on closer inspection uh, would be very monstrous. They may have uh, like scales, claws, uh, they may drip like acid or poison from various orifices, uh, things like that. Um, one, one similar depiction to that that makes it into the modern day is there's a horror anthology called VHS and a spinoff movie called Siren, um, where some dudes pick up a woman at a bar and as the evening goes on, uh, she looks more and more monstrous as they get a close-up look on her, which is, uh, I like that one. It was a it was a good one rather than just her looking, you know, vaguely demonic just as things go on. Uh, that's when the monster monsterness shows up. Um, but in most modern depictions, it's usually some kind of attractive, conventionally attractive woman 
and or conventionally attractive man in the case of the incubus who have uh various demonic traits some of them will have horns tails uh cloven hooves wings stuff like that or if it's anime they just get cheapified with little horns and tiny wings sometimes the wings are coming out of their heads anime is weird yeah there's a lot of succubi that show up in anime uh, yeah, because um, Japan is very horny for a country with a low birth rate. <laughs> so what does the uh, what does the succubus actually do? Uh, she steals your precious bodily fluids. That's basically what they're known for. Uh, they'll either seduce you outright or more commonly, they'll come into your sleep and uh, steal your fluids. After that, they supposedly give it to the incubus, the male sex demon who goes on to impregnate mortal women and uh, create half-fiendish children called Cambians. Uh, Hellboy is an example of a Cambian. Um... At least least according to to, uh, the the people I saw on the internet, they they argue that he's Cambian, because... Yeah, I guess guess you could call him a Cambian, although neither of his parents are Succubus Incubus. So... um, because his father is literally Satan, who may also be Lucifer, although angels in that setting aren't don't makes don't match up with biblical angels. Mm-hmm. Um, and his mother was a witch. Mm. Damn um, you, Wikipedia! And, you've made a fool of me again. I mean, it Cambians are often described as just being half demons or the children of humans and demons. Mm-hmm. So. That's apparently sort of, there's there's some there's, kind of difference between like a cambion and a nephilim uh i'm not oh, a nephilim with, is a half angel oh uh, okay i thought i thought nephilim could be spawned from both angels and or demons no no nephilim are half angels uh cambions are half demon got it okay um yes uh bit also, the whole thing about the incubus, succubus, swapping fluids and impregnating, that's, that comes specifically from, like, stuff related to King James, of the King James Bible, and of England, and Scotland. Yeah. <laughs> he, he was a weird dude who was really obsessed with witches and stuff. Yes, he was. Which is partially why Shakespeare wrote Macbeth. <laughs> about a king from Scotland who was obsessed with witches. In the, like, he was get, getting on some topical shit right then. Shenanigans. So yeah, in in summary, the, the concept of the succubus really is rooted pretty well in particularly religious sexist views of women as being temptresses, deceptive, uh, being flawed, which, you know, led to the fall and fucked over men for, you know, however long. Uh, and it's it's not a great look. Um, I have thoughts later on on Succubi when it comes to that. Um, there is a little bit of uh, theorizing, I don't know if I want to use the word research, that the Succubus experience may have connections to phenomena like sleep paralysis, uh, where people often report seeing like shadow people or feeling overpowered by some kind of other entity that like either takes control of them or violates them in some way. So there could also be a psychological uh, element to that. And uh, got a fun fact here. Pope Sylvester II confessed uh, before his death that he'd been in a relationship with a succubus named uh, Mara Diana in exchange for power and influence in the church, which yeah. Based, cool. I guess. Apparently, succubuses have. I, I mean, let's go ahead and say this. Um, that is, as far as I know, the only good molestation that has ever taken place at the Catholic Church. Oh, uh, I don't know if it quite counts as that though, because according to to uh, Pope Sylvester, it was a consensual relationship. Oh well, the, yeah. Then I guess there has never been a good. Sexual molestation at the Catholic Church. That that is the correct answer to that statement. <laughs> yeah. So uh, how do yeah. So how does uh, how does succubus game? 
Uh, they're pretty ubiquitous in fantasy and or fantasy adjacent gaming. Uh, for D&D in particular, they showed up in the Eldritch Wizardry Supplement from 1979. Um, in that edition, they were a type of Tanari demon, which I'm not super deep into my D&D history, but I think that was like uh, just kind of like the general like type so, of demon. Okay, so essentially the way it worked out is that they had all the demons, um, and then eventually they made... They, they split them into devils and demons, and the Tenari were the devils. Got it. Um, so, they're demons, but the specific difference between a demon and a devil in Dungeons & Dragons... I, I'm, I don't want to call it mythology. In Dungeons & Dragons, the way that system works is devils are lawful evil and demons are chaotic evil. Um... So it, there's a law and chaos thing going on as the evil fights among itself. Good. So, Let them eat their own. Oh, they do. So yeah, that's the that's where the the succubus shows up in 1979, and in the current edition, uh, they're they're fiends. Basically, they're not demons or devils they're just fiendish denizens of the lower planes and they're shape changers who will work for both sides in the blood war um i saw some material suggesting ideas for like small changes uh to succubi uh npcs or villains depending on which side of the blood war they happen to work for um i think that's a, a cool idea and basically what they do is they're just like uber eats for the blood war they collect souls of mortals and bring them down to the nine hells or to the abyss whoever's paying them in whatever currency succubi accept um and they're also interchangeable essentially with incubi um there's no difference that i could see other than the art that they added into the monster manual they're kind of one and the same and uh, i mean in current edition they effectively are as they are shape changers yeah um allowing them to be whatever gender they want to be yes Im uh reject reject modernity embrace gender fluidity i don't know where i was going with that gender fluid and evil yeah be gender fluid commit crime uh don't don't go there that's that's too spicy not doing that. <laughs> okay. Um, Be gender fluid. Charm humanoids. Eh, that that's less less creepy. Yeah, I mean that's what they do. Yeah, I like the idea of them being uh, shape changers. I find the idea of a very seductive yet extremely monstrous creature that is irresistible uh, much creepier than just hey. It's a woman with wings, and she's trying to seduce you. Um, I find I find that more interesting as far as, like, creature design and or, you know, villain design. But whatever tabletop RPG you play, there's going to be some kind of succubus available. Uh, but speaking of irresistibly uh, monstrous things, that brings us to Warhammer. Woo! Woo-hoo! Uh, Succubi-type characters, they're almost exclusively going to be found uh, hanging out with Slash. 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 I can speak. I haven't been at work for several hours already. Um, Slash is the god of excess and temptation. Uh, doesn't matter what it is or what you want. Slash has got it for you. Um, and most of the demons that fall within their realm could fall under the category of some kind of succubus as they're meant to be enticing and seductive, um, but they are very monstery. Um, a lot of the stuff kind of pre mid two thousands got coded female to entice uh, horny preteen boys, uh, but it's moving and neck beards. Yeah. And, and horny neck, beards. neck beards. Yeah. It's moving. Would to... one day become uh, <laughs> the horny preteen boys would eventually become horny neck beards. This is the way. The circle of life. <laughs> um, but they're moving back to a more kinky, gender-bent, uh, uh, Cenobite 
kind of vibe, which I dig. Um, I don't really know if that could count as like evil queer coding. Um, I like the idea of more like gender non-conforming or non-binary representation in gaming. Uh, but the fact that, you know, a major non-binary entity in the Warhammer universe is evil. Explicitly evil. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's, yeah, it's, it's kind of weird. Slanash is 100% in favor of kink at pride. Yes, they would be. And kink everywhere else. Yep. With Slanesh, you never have to worry about things being not safe for work, because, uh, yeah. Just every everything Slanesh-related just gets you promotions at work. That's a deep promotions. cut right there. Yeah. <laughs> yes, it is. Uh, so, yeah. Slanesh, uh, they're, they're my, my favorite of the Chaos Gods. A uh, lot of succubi potential in there. Um, yeah, they call and, them demonettes, but, yeah. but they're... Succubus. Yeah, pretty much just any anything related to Slanesh. Their whole goal is that they're going to seduce you into giving you their soul, whether it's sex, drugs, rock and rock roll, and roll. Um, any of that. Their their whole goal Mostly is just to those. Yeah, their whole goal is to entice you. And the part of what I like about that is that it kind of it starts to kind of bend away from like that deceptive female trope who's just trying to sleep with you to get to your soul. And that it's, you know, no matter what you want, whatever you find seductive or enticing, that's what Slanesh is going to give you. Um, so it's, it's, it's succubi adjacent, but it kind of maybe leaves some of that not so great trope behind. I don't, I don't know. It, your opinion may vary and feel it's free to argue with me. It's more interesting than just a straight sexy succubus thing. Yes. Um, and it's also more visually distinct and more outright monstrous. Yep. Yeah. Um, the the claws for hands are a general indication that yeah, that this is maybe not not quite so straightforward. <laughs> she, no, she she checks out. Looks good. Go for it. So speaking of uh, depictions of succubi that move away from old tropes, uh, we've got Keyforge. Insert air horns here. Good job. Uh, yeah, one of the cards from House Dis in Keyforge is called the Succubus. Um, I like that one because the de the demons in in Keyforge are just kind of just interesting in general. But the Succubus card, I describe it as like a Lisa Frank Cenobite because it's very brightly colored, but it's also wearing this like armor that looks like bare muscle kind of like like the lady of pain if she was just wearing a suit of muscle over her weird mask yeah it's got that heavy pinks purples that is the keyforge setup um yep yeah and then uh succubi also did make an appearance in both warcraft and hearthstone um but as far as I know, at least in Hearthstone, the succubus was censored out of the game to not offend the sensibilities of the Chinese Communist Party, which it, I think that that kind of sucks. But I also don't have any kind of stake in that race, so I honestly really don't care. Um, but I do have to say, in that case, uh, reject Maoism, embrace anarchy. Uh, reject Maoism, embrace uh, Ho Chi Minh. I don't know much about Ho Chi Minh, surprisingly, so I've got no witty retort to that. Surprisingly based, for the most part? Cool. Um, I'll, have to, I'll have to add some Ho Chi Minh biography to my already gigantic stack of biographies that I haven't read. Uh, spent time in the U.S.? I did know that. Quoted the Declaration of Independence when he tried to, when he was in the process of trying to make Vietnam an, its own country? Cool. Whatever would have preferred <laughs> would have preferred to have the Americans like siding with him over the Chinese and Soviets, but didn't really get that option. Sorry, best I can do is invasion. Yeah, um, died before the end of the war, meaning that all the dumb shit that happened afterwards can't be put on him. Whoops. 
Gotta find and a different fall guy for that one. To be fair, like... Uh, uh, <laughs> the, uh, geopolitics is a different episode. Wait for wait for episode uh, 300. We'll talk about Ho Chi Minh. Um, I couldn't think of a better number for Ho Chi Minh, honestly. Um... While while you think about that, I'll yeah. I'll keep going. Um, the last the last uh, card game, surprisingly, uh, Succubi don't actually show up in Magic the Gathering as far as I could find. There are a lot of fan made cards, um, but in addition to kind of tone down the overall uh, sexuality that shows up in Magic the Gathering, uh, the the lore for the game uses a gender binary. Boo. Uh, to divide their divine and demonic creatures. So demons are always male, angels are always female. Um, and for whatever reason, succubi just don't show up. Um, I don't know, maybe ask Richard Garfield on that one. But eh, I don't I don't particularly care that much if a creature shows up or not in a particular card game. I just thought it was an interesting fun fact. Um Still got dead air. Yeah, no, I'm just I saw a thing. I don't know if this is a real one or not. There's a there's a lot of uh, fan made cards, but eh, nerd nerds are gonna do their thing. Um, no, no, this is definitely fan made. Yeah, similar to Magic the Gathering, I wasn't able really to find any specific war games that make special use of Succubi's mechanic. Oh. I've I've got one war game oh. that uses a succubus that has a model called a succubus. Oh, uh, uh, is it is it one that I've heard of? Yeah. Is it Infinity? No. Uh. Uh. Warhammer Forty K. The Dark Elves have a unit called the succubus. Oh yeah, that's right. Oh, it's been so long since I've thought about Dark Eldar and Forty K in general. Yeah, they do have a unit called the Succubus. Um, I don't know enough about Dark LR off the top of my head to know how they use it, or if it was just a, a kinky name they attached to one of their units. I think it's just a kinky name, kinky name because they are weird like that. It's not even a particularly like sexy-looking model. Well, uh, there are more than enough horny succubus models uh, than you could shake a stick at out there in the in the model universe. Um, I did think what, there is a new expansion for uh, Frostgrave that came out, uh, I think maybe 2020 or 2021, uh, that revolves around like a demon invasion coming up through the city. And I had an idea for like a succubus, but their whole thing is that they're warm. And so just like somebody with just like gigantic like fur coat, it's like, come here, I've got warmth. Just come out of the cold. And then they open up the coat and it's like a giant maw like mimic style. I thought that could be pretty humorous. I don't know if that would be a succubus though. That might just be like a mimicky style thing. <laughs> but they're trying to entice you with with the with the warmth. Yeah, but then they they're not then they're just eating you, not like taking away your soul or mind kind of stuff. <laughs> True. Um, uh, I, I was going to mention that in miniatures, uh, Reaper Miniatures has a succubus as their, like, mascot. Yep, Sophie the succubus. I don't think I have any any Sophie models. There are, are they do like a usually do like a promo model every year for Gen Con when that was still a thing. If, and when it comes back, I don't, I don't know. I stopped following a lot of stuff after the pandemic happened. Um, I did think that doing like an entire succubus, te succubus team for Frostgrave could be a cool, a cool modeling idea. I don't know. Uh, I also kind of feel like the, uh, witch elves from the, uh, Warhammer underworld set could kind of, fill a similar void or uh, void fill a similar role uh, but they're kind of like more Medusa-y I don't know it's just another idea of things for Frostgrave to throw onto the pile there 
Um, any other games that you can think of specifically that use Succubi? Because that was really the only things that I could come up with. Um... trying to think if the red dragon inn which has a giant pile of alternate characters might have one that's a succubus i could see i could see that fitting in it would make sense i mean the closest one is uh, I think Dareka the Mind Breaker, but that's a um, like female Mind Flayer type. Hmm. Eh, who knows? Maybe there's some potential for further expansions. Perhaps. Um, also, maybe there's just one that I haven't seen. Eh, who knows? Honestly, I'm conflicted about how I feel about the succubus as a staple creature in gaming. I'm not a fan of the sexist origins and tropes surrounding the creature. And I also just kind of find the idea of having like your fluids and or life, life force taken from you. It's just, it's gross. It feels too close to real life assault for my taste. Um, and it's coded as being inherently sexual, which would be different from a vampire, which vampires can be like sexy and enticing the way it feeds, it feels less violating. I that's I don't I don't know how to describe it. That's probably just me and my own interpretation and you know my own issues when it comes to gaming, but also, you know, read Dracula and get back to me, it's an incredibly horny piece of Victorian literature. Oh um, yeah. Um I think I would go ahead and say that, you know, blood is less sexy. Yeah, so that is there true. You go. The, and that, that's just the key point there. Yeah. And for me, when it comes to, like, gaming red lines and the social contract, like, sexual assault or anything like that or any kind of manipulation like that, it's one of my red lines. It's a trigger point, and it's not really something that I would want to explore either as a player or a DM. And it feels different from exploring those topics in a single-player video game, which, honestly, I still struggle with. But at least in the game, you can, like, put it down to, you know process or come back to it later and even in a like a war game like you know Frostgrave for example because there's not necessarily that role-playing element it that feels I guess less less triggering or less of an issue uh, than having to work through those issues in a group improv setting and it feels super uncomfortable so I don't really know how I would use this kind of monstrous character in a way that doesn't use what they what they explicitly do in the literature. I would almost prefer to use another villain such as a vampire or even just some kind of shapeshifter who's, you know, doing nefarious things. Um, on the flip side... I like female villains and I like that there is potential for gender queer entities, which is cool. But at the same time, having them being evil by default feels very problematic for gender queer representation because that's a very old trope of somebody who's non-conforming or of ambiguous gender, having them be evil. And I feel like with the changes to how D and D is handling like races and morality that maybe that could open up some creative spaces for interesting ways for players to interact with sex demons. Um, I know in uh, Planescape Torment, there's a lawful good succubus priest who is celibate and she's trying to repent for something that she did. So I feel just kind of in general, that evil by default, you know, that's a, that's a problem, but I don't know. I feel like it's as a DM and as a player, it's just kind of a character that I would prefer to stay away from and maybe come up with something that's more interesting and less problematic, but that's just me. 
what about you? What anything specific you'd like to see from Succubi or any particular way you prefer to use them in your own games? Um, well, I think I've used them twice in games. Uh, I know you had, you had like a succubus pirate who stole an airship. I remember that. Yes, that was the one I was going to talk about. Um, Succubus was trapped in a dungeon. The players freed her. She tried to charm them. Um, although, given who they were, she targeted the Warforged, mostly because she was kind of looking for a bodyguard who could get her out of the dungeon. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, she was not playing it as sexual. I mean, she was like flirting with everybody. Mm-hmm. But her goal was, like, dominate this person and then use them to protect herself. Mm-hmm. Um, she escaped. The party, rather than chasing after her, continued into the dungeon, which meant she got to their ship and promptly dominated the NPC crew members that they had left behind to guard it um, and took it away. And they ended up catching up to her in another town where she was setting herself up as a pirate queen mm-hmm. and had gotten in touch with her old boyfriend, who was a Rakshasa. <laughs> Good times. Um, and, yeah, that that was really the core element of it. Um, was mostly that it was more interesting for her to become an awesome pirate queen. Oh, and she had also taken one of the players who had bought, like, a wardrobe of captain's stuff and was in the process of having it retailored to fit her better <laughs> um, just adding Burn. insult to injury um yeah you know making it a personal thing and not a sexual thing yeah it's one of those things where it's like you know know your know your players red lines know your own limits as a player and or a dm don't let other players or anybody in the group be be weird so yeah that's Pretty much my my thoughts on the succubus. I don't know. Maybe maybe they'll change later. Maybe they won't. I don't know. But it was as close to a topic that I could that we could find for uh, sixty nine. Nice, nice. Yes, this was the the nice topic that wasn't too wasn't very weird nice to discuss. <laughs> oh, I could have um, gone really weird with it. Uh, but a copy of the book of erotic fantasy is going for about two hundred and fifty dollars now. Yeah, also, <laughs> the Book of Erotic Fantasy, uh, I don't actually know if it deserves an episode. Uh, I don't know. The only the only real, like, thoughts that I have on it is that it's, like, surprisingly progressive and tackles its subject matter in a better way than I would have expected for a publication aimed at nerds that came out in like the mid two thousands. Um, it has like a whole section on like player consent and like, you know, red lines and stuff like that. That's only now just starting to show up in the mainline D and D publications. So in that way, they were like way ahead on the curve. Um, but other than that, uh, I don't, I don't have really much else to say about it. I have read it. There's some humorous stuff in there. You know, I don't know. I'm sure if you're creative enough, you could find a way to work it into your game if that's how, how your party wants to roll. Yeah. Um, yeah. Hey, it could have been worse. We could have talked about Fatal. No. The, do not utter those the, that cursed acronym. Yeah, I made I, the mistake of reading the, the 1D4chan article for that. I can't scrub it from my brain. Yeah. There are some there are some parts of the internet that should should just be walled off forever. That is one of them. That was a printed book. Yeah, and the they should all be had thrown into a fire. <laughs> the yes. internet no the internet told me what it was. For yeah, that it but, for that it should be condemned. Yeah, I mean yeah. Look, the internet there's plenty of reasons that the internet should be condemned. Destroy all the tubes, tear it down. Yeah. Yep. But that's not what we're here for. We're here to talk no. about Succubuses, which we have finished. And then we're here to do the board game corner. Did I, I, did I just fall through the Matrix again? again? I almost started over. 
Uh, no, Board Game Corner, where we talk about a board game that we like or have played or thought about recently. Um, and today we're talking about Five Minute Dungeon, originally published in 2017. Um, it's a really slickly designed concept for a co-op card game where each player is an adventurer working together to challenge a dungeon created by shuffling up a deck of cards and putting a boss monster at the bottom. Um, you go through it by flipping open, flipping over doors. On the other side, there is some sort of challenge or um, enemy to fight or trap that's been sprung, and you have to use the cards that you have, um, which have different colors or different effects on them, to get rid of it. Now, when you play these sorts of games, because there are plenty of them, one of the issues is that if the players have perfect coordination, it generally becomes a case of one person looking at the way the board is and just saying, oh, you play this, you play this, you play this, and then you go to the next challenge. Ooh, quarterback. Which is not as much fun. Five Minute Dungeon solves this by uh, requiring a timer. Nice. Specifically, a five-minute timer. You have five minutes to get through the entire deck of cards. This cool. makes it incredibly fast-paced, as you all have to, like, throw car literally throw cards into the center to, like, solve a problem quickly so that you can get to the next one and then draw your own cards and just keep moving through at an incredible speed. No thoughts, um, only dungeon. Yes. However, it takes between 5 and 30 minutes. Not just 5 minutes. In part because, you know, setup time. But also in part because the wizard has a time stop ability. Oh. And when the wizard uses their, like, once or twice per game time stop, you pause the timer and everyone can stop and, like, take a breather and talk about what they want to do in the next thing and as soon as someone plays a card then it starts up again hmm. um, which is again a really interesting mechanic because it gives you a pause to like not be utterly um, confused by what's happening well I was going to ask the most important question a... does it really only take five minutes but it seems you've answered that one yes uh, the minimum it can take is five minutes but it can also take up to I would say 15 to 20. Um, and you can play it multiple times, just swapping characters around and the different monster uh, and the different like boss monsters it comes with. Cause it has several. Um, it also comes with multiple heroes. Um, I think there's five in the base set and there's a few other options for it. Um, which means you don't always have to play with the wizard. So you can play no without the time stop effect and just try to speed through this thing. That sounds more chaotic and more fun. Yeah. Um, I find it to be really solid. Uh, you know, it's got your classic fantasy character style stuff, but it's, um, yeah, it, it, it's just a pretty solid thing and it has a good consistent art style as well. Huzzah. So, uh, yeah. I, I would recommend 5-Minute Dungeon. If you want to do a incredibly fast-paced co-op card game. Yeah, boy. Uh, it looks like the classes are Ninja, Thief, Wizard, Sorceress, Ranger, Huntress, Valkyrie, Paladin, Gladiator, and Barbarian. Fun. Um, and that's composed of five two-sided cards. Um... Yeah. Worth I'll checking out for list. sure. And that is our show. As always, Woo! thank you for listening. Um, we've been Null Country for Old Men. You can find us on the internet uh, at Null Country or just Null Country on Instagram. Uh, this episode is coming out a day late because uh, life exists. Hooray, life. Life is relentless. Uh, you can do important things like form a union, support your local game store. Uh, don't 
play Fatal or even look it up. You don't need to know. Um, <laughs> Why did we even mention things, it? <laughs> and you can do all the things Ed's about to tell you to do. Oh, uh, you can follow me at Animadness on Instagram. You can see uh, my D and D cats there, along with me complaining about paintbrushes. Uh, you can donate to your LGBTQIA plus charities and or your reproductive justice funds. Uh, go support your local drag queen. Drag queens are generally funny if they're good. Um, make life hard for your local proud boys. Um, on the flip side of that, um, go Knowles. Go Knowles. Go Knowles. <laughs>